welcome back to the coldest voice with rico and this is the start of season two where you'll be hearing about business entrepreneurship investing cryptocurrencies and money management we will also be having different views from our guests yes you heard me we're gonna have more guests on this season so stay tuned because we got a lot waiting for you on the other end you dig Welcome back to The Coldest Voice with Rico. And as you already know, I'm your host, Rico Rich. The whole season one, I've been asked constantly over and over, why do I not talk about myself? Why did I never introduce myself in season one? I did here and there, but I never gave the full backstory because like I said, this was never about me. This was for helping others this was for encouraging others this was for teaching people who didn't have the skills or who didn't have the right people around them to help them be the best version of themselves and i can attest for that because i was that same person i surrounded myself around the wrong people and then when i got older i realized that i wasn't doing what i truly wanted to do that i was fitting into society standards and if you listen to season one i'm always about being true to who you are and forget what society says is cool and what is true because at the end of the day you're the one that determines what is true and what is not true we're going to start this off when i was in high school my junior year of high school this is where everything kind of just went for a total whirlwind before that i'm playing baseball i'm enjoying life i'm living my life i'm living the typical high school life that any kid would want to live keep in mind i was at a private school so things were a little different so this is my junior year and the beginning of this story that we're gonna that we're gonna start from junior year of high school and i'm playing baseball it was going good at that time i was also picking up things outside of baseball because i needed hobbies other hobbies that i didn't do other than playing games and staying inside so i decided to do photography i decided to do videos because i was doing videos to pretty much look at myself and just look at the tapes that i did when i was doing lessons or whenever i was just playing to pretty much, you know, look at it, check it out, see what I'm doing wrong, to pretty much look back at what I need to fix. So I compiled all that stuff and I ended up making highlight tapes for myself to send out to recruits and to just make like a highlight reel. I started doing that. I got a lot of business from it. A lot of parents and a lot of my friends who had came to me and asked me, hey, can you do it for me? Can you? do it for one of my friends can you do it for my child and all that and I said yeah sure this was the beginning I never really knew how to do it and so you knew I was starting all this on a GoPro on the little GoPros with no screen just the little record button and it had the time in the back and it had the camera in the front that's all I had I'm doing the most that I can do with that GoPro I did pretty good. I made quite a few videos and highlight tapes for other people, but mostly for myself. 
as soon as that started to get a solid foundation, I really pursued photography. And at that time, I had just started my business and I was diving deeper into investing and truly looking into companies, for instance, like Nike, Apple, Tesla, and companies like those that I thought that were interesting. I would look into their analytics. I would look into their financials and just see, is this company going to be beneficial in the next five to 10 years? Is this company going to be beneficial to me as a person in society? Or is this something that is just for the conglomerates? Is this something for people that are bigger than who the average consumer is? While I'm doing that, I ended up decided to take it full on. I was living a pretty good life at that time, like I said, you know, what any junior in high school would expect. Also at that time, I was getting ready for college. I'm looking at colleges, trying to figure out where I'm gonna go, if I'm gonna stay home, if I'm gonna go stay on the East Coast, I'm gonna go to the West Coast. Where am I gonna go? What schools am I really interested in? Do they have what I wanna study? The same questions every high schooler asks. Then the question truly was, what school am I going to play baseball at? That was always my biggest question. That was my goal. So I started looking into showcases and camps and trying to figure out what schools had, what I wanted to study, had a good environment, had a, a well-to-do area that I could thrive in. So I'm doing all my research, I figured that out and then, you know, April comes around. I pretty much was that kind of guy that was real careless, didn't care about other people, was pretty much concerned about myself. Then eventually I was trying to change that, but I couldn't because I was just too stubborn. I wanted to do things my own way, but I didn't know how to do it. And the best that benefited me and those who were around me. I'm getting stronger, I'm working out, I'm doing everything that I can do for baseball. I'm, I felt like I was in the best shape that I possibly could be in. Over here, working out maybe three times a week, I'm lifting, I'm filling my frame as what coaches said that I needed to do. Because I wasn't a big guy, I'm only 5'8". And at that time I was maybe weighing 145, 150. And so it felt good to be at a comfortable weight, but I wasn't comfortable with being slow, with being not that strong, with the same things that I had issues with playing because I have to defeat the odds because 5'8 as a pitcher isn't going to get nowhere at that time. And plus, I wasn't a guy that had high velo, so I'm just a guy that's trying to fit in. I was more of a middle relief guy, could start here and there, and I thought that I could close, but no, I couldn't. So I'm sitting there thinking to myself, how am I going to get the best out of my junior year going into my senior year? How am I going to get ready for all these colleges that I want to go to or that I'm interested in? How am I going to get looked at? I'm so concerned about baseball. It was strictly baseball. I didn't think about what I was truly going to study. Yes, photography was a hobby. Yes, investing and business was 
also hobbies. I never really took those full on to the point where I would focus and try to develop that craft. It was just, if I had time, I would do it. If I was bored, I would do it. But it was never something that I said, hey, let me go be better at shooting portraits. Hey, let me go work on my composition. Let me go work on these little things. So now at that time when I'm figuring out my plan to become a better baseball player, to work on getting stronger, getting faster, and like I said, filling my frame. I told myself I was gonna accomplish all these goals before my next showcase, which was one of the biggest showcases in the Southeast. So it was a Wednesday and I vividly remember this because it was in May. May 3rd, I had a max out day. I maxed out on deadlifts and I was lifting really good that day. I felt good going in. I'm like, man, this is gonna be a great day. I'm about to hit my max and I'm gonna walk out of there really happy. So at that time, I'm deadlifting, you know, doing my reps or whatever. And then I end up going into my, my max. At that time, it was 345, which was pretty good for me. And I tried to do 400, but I couldn't move it. So I said, nah. And, you know, like I said, my PR was 345. I maxed out at 345. It was really good. I would not regret that day ever from that point on. I said, you know what? I'm proud of it. So what? So what? I couldn't get 400. There's always another day to do that. So then next day rolls around May 4th. I go back into school. Me and a couple of the guys that I had lifted with that day were just talking about it. And we're just like, man, like, why weren't you able to get 400? And we're just, you know, just shooting the breeze. Eventually, it was halfway through the day and I'm getting my mind right because I have practiced that later that day. I practiced later that day. And then I have my showcase this weekend. So I'm like, oh man, this is going to be the best week because Wednesday I, I maxed out. I practice on Thursday. Friday is an off day because I'm going to get ready for my showcase on Saturday and Sunday. So I'm all concentrating on baseball school. Yeah, cool. So later that day, I'm heading back to class and I'm chilling, you know, school's almost done. I have maybe like two periods left. For some reason, I had to go down to the office, to the office to um, sign some paperwork that was for a trip coming up. So I went down to sign the paperwork and heading back to class, I really couldn't walk. It was like something stopped me from walking and was gripping my legs. It was like, it felt like I was tied up. And it got so bad that I had to just sit down and lay on the ground. And I've never, never, ever in my life felt like I had to do that. So I'm sitting there and I'm just like, yo, what is going on? Eventually came to the point of realization that 
this is just not my day. Something is trying to stop me from being successful. So I got up and I kept pushing, but eventually I just collapsed. One of my boys came by and asked me if I was good. I was like, in my head, wanted to say, yeah, I'm fine, I'm good. But mentally and physically, I wasn't. So they got the nurse and then I was sitting there for a while. It was so bad that they had to call the ER. They had to call an ambulance and I was taken to the hospital in an ambulance. Got there, they said that I may have, I may have appendicitis. So with that being said, I was taking anatomy class that same year. And I said to myself, bro, I literally just learned about a appendicitis. And now for those who don't know what appendicitis is, if you have one and you don't get it taken care in time, there have been cases of death because of all the liquid and all the acid and the fluids that are in your appendicitis that could pretty much kill you. So I'm like, oh man, I might die. And yes, I may have been a little dramatic, but so what? So I told myself while I was laying on that bed in the hospital that I would change my life. I said, God, if you make me live another day, I would change my life. And you know, sometimes those who know, sometimes you say stuff like that just so you can get out of the situation that you're in. And for me, that's exactly what I was doing. I had no intent of changing. I said to myself, I'm like, nah, I'm not really gonna do it. But lo and behold, a few minutes later, a surgeon came in and said, yo, you have an inguinal hernia. And I'm not gonna go into depth on what that is. If you really wanna know, you can look it up. But I had a hernia and it was caused because of my lifting. Till this day, I would constantly tell myself, no, nah, it wasn't because of that. It was because of something else. And it was just one of those freak accidents. But I constantly think and think and think, what could it have been? Nobody knows, I don't know. And that's the only thing that I could think of. So they told me that I would have to have surgery that next day. Keep in mind, I just said that I was gonna have practice that day, May 4th. I was gonna have an off day on Friday and I was gonna have my showcase, which is the biggest showcase for me on Saturday and Sunday. So I said to myself that I had to get up and be okay for my showcase on Saturday and Sunday. But did that happen? No way it didn't because I had to have surgery that next morning. Had surgery that next morning, I was drugged up on anesthesia and I remember vividly, they did their normal check, pre-surgery check, asking me what's my name, date of birth, and what kind of surgery am I getting? I told them all that information and we're going down to, we're going down to the operation room. We go in the elevator and we get down to the, to the operation floor. So we're heading to the door and I remember vividly seeing the lights like as if you've seen it in a movie when they're going into, when they're going into surgery. You know, you see the lights going by, boom, boom, boom. 
And I've told all the nurses and anesthesiologists that was there. And I said, if I make it out alive today, I will give each of you a million dollars. And I repeat, I said, you get a million dollars. You get a million dollars. I felt like I was the male version of Oprah over here gifting everybody with a million dollars. So then, you know, it felt like a couple seconds later because they said countdown from 10. I said 10, 9, 8. And then that was wraps. And I ended up waking up swaddled in blankets, all warm and cuddly in a little room for, you know, post-op. And I'm sitting there and they're like trying to, they're checking up on me, make sure everything's all good. And then they told me that they're going to call my parents in. So my, my mom, my dad came in and they asked me, you know, how do I feel? Am I okay? And I'm just like, I'm tired and, you know, all drugged up still. Then they said, um, hold on, we'll be right back. One of my favorite teachers from my, my high school came and saw me. She asked me how I was doing and I would say she was one of the only staff members that came from the school to see me. Yes, I mean, they, other teachers gave their regards and I'm not a person that would say, you know, forget you since you didn't come and see me, but just stating the facts of that was the only person outside of my immediate family that came and saw me. Yes, I got regards, you know, and messages and letters and all that, but yeah, it was weird to see that she was the only one to come. So what? So she came and we're sitting there. Um, well, I, obviously I'm laying there. She's there and she's talking to me, asking me how I'm doing and um, gave me a whole bunch of uh, candy on this creative little box and, you know, I had it on sticks like they were flowers, you know, a get well thing. And I was, you know, it was, it was nice. It was pretty cute, whatever. And so I surely enjoyed that while I'm just laying in bed at home. So I go home that later that day and they gave me um, some medication for the pain and for making sure that I can go to sleep. So I'm sitting there laying in bed and I'm just like, bro, I don't know how long this is going to take, but this needs to hurry up because I need to be able to play baseball. So maybe a week later, I end up having my, my first checkup after surgery. He told me that I would not be able to do anything for three months. I said, there is no way that you're going to tell me that I can't do anything for three months because I literally just busted my tail for the past four months more than I ever have on baseball to make sure that I am doing the best that I can do so I can make the best of my college career. And so he's telling me, you know, you gotta, you gotta chill out. You gotta stay home. You gotta relax. You gotta just make sure that you're not pushing yourself to do things that you shouldn't do. He said, I should do no activities for three months. I said, no way. Uh -uh. 
I told him I'm not doing it and I'm just sitting there and I'm disappointed. So that surgery made me miss a summer season, showcases and many more things that I would have never known because I wasn't able to do it. But with that being said, I was my, I was able to get into the fall baseball. So I was able to get in fall baseball. Now, around that time, I didn't have a team because I wasn't able to go anywhere to play in Georgia. So I had hit up one of my old coaches and I asked him, hey, um, can you help me get ready for a fall season or for the upcoming spring? He said, yeah, you know, we can get some work in. And he asked me, he was like, so are you playing with anybody? I said, no, I'm not. He was like, well, you should come and play with me. I'm like, okay, where? You know, who you coaching with and where would I have to go? He said, you should come to Charlotte. I'm like, Charlotte? That's all the way in North Carolina. Like, I'm, I'm so far from North Carolina. So I ended up going up North Carolina and seeing them play. Um, met met the other coach, the main coach, the head honcho. And from that day on was when I changed the way I looked at life. And yes, I changed the way I looked at life from when I had surgery, but it really propelled the way that he would go about saying certain things and what he said, because most coaches are concerned about you getting the best out of your summer ball, fall ball, your baseball career in high school than to get you if you have that ability to play college baseball. Well, let me tell you this. This man was so different. He told me, and I quote, I could care less how good you are at baseball how far you go my main goal is to make sure that you become the best man that you can be in life that is all that i care about to making sure that you become a better man a man in society that will benefit and not be a menace and i'm just like what kind of baseball coach wants to tell me that and so i just kind of like was like, okay, yeah, got you, heard. Was up there for the fall, played with them in the summer, and I went up and trained in between. And when I tell you, those workouts were never something that I expected. You running two miles, running three miles. I felt like I was playing soccer. And it was early morning workouts. It was pretty much like college. You know, you do your early morning workouts and then you do you know, your individuals, and then you just do what you got to do for the rest of the day. Maybe that's going home, getting something to eat, coming back and working out later that day, going to the gym, whatever the case may be. But what I did was did my morning workouts, which consisted of more cardio and a little bit of speed and agility, but just more cardio and strength. And then I did my individuals, whether it was hitting, pitching, or just doing more mobility work. Then I would follow it up with, you know, getting something to eat. And then I would go and work out at the gym 
go to LA Fitness or work out at the facility. So we're there. And when I tell you, this man was always there. He was telling me all these different things about what I need to do on what he thinks I could do. And, you know, just being a baseball coach. So that was my baseball aspect from here on out. I didn't know what I was going to do. I felt like this was it. I felt like I was done. So I had to figure out what I was going to do from here on out. I said, well, since I am kind of struggling, and when I say kind of, I was really struggling in baseball because I didn't know how I was going to be able to play at 100%. I'm still playing at maybe 60%, 70%. I'm still hurting. I was already over three months of recovery. And so I contacted the surgeon over and over and he told me, it's going to heal naturally. It's going to heal. It's going to heal. So eventually, um, I had to continually play at 60%. I couldn't pitch a full game. I couldn't pitch for a long time. I couldn't go deep in innings. I only would go one, two, maybe three innings at that. So with me doing that, you know, me and him and some of the other coaches will still talk and will still try to get me back to at least trying to get to 100%. We pushed myself here and there, but, you know, it was never the best. Sometimes it was, but it benefited me mentally because it made me mentally stronger because I was weak. I didn't think I could do it. So while I'm over here figuring out what other things that I can do to buy the time to get my mind off of what's going on, I ended up really pushing full-fledged into baseball. I ended up pulling, pushing full-fledged into photography, into investing, becoming a business person. So now skipping all this baseball stuff, we're now going to go into the quote-unquote hobbies that I had back in high school. So now, to this day, I thank two men outside of my immediate family for everything that they've done to make me the person that I am today. And they go by the names of Tommy Griffith and Coach Leland. Those two men I thank them dearly, and I don't know what kind of person I would be if they never entered my life. And for those who do know who Tommy Griffith is, one of my old coaches, he passed away while I was in high school my freshman year, and I did not know until three months later. And it was funny because my last conversation with him was the normal way that we would always talk. It was always goofy. It was always, you know, I called him kid. He called me little man. And he would always tell me that he was going to beat me in a race. And I would say he had the best energy. He had one of the greatest mentalities, regardless of what he was going through. You never knew. And that's one thing that made me stronger because I realized 
yes, you are in a lot of pain, but your pain can also affect other people emotionally, physically, because you're giving off that negative vibe. It's okay to show that you're hurting, but don't make it someone else's problem. Stay strong for those who are around you because you never know who is going through something. Benefit, help others was always the things that he all would tell us. Now, Coach Leland was that guy who told me he doesn't care about what happens in baseball. He wants to make sure that we become better men, that we become a better person, that baseball doesn't define who we are. And I made sure that baseball didn't define who I was. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because now I can say strong and proud that I am not just a baseball player, that I'm an influencer, that I'm a podcaster, that I'm a photographer, that I'm an entrepreneur, that I'm a business person. And there's many other things that I can add to that list, but those are the things that I can say that I started to change, that started to make my outlook on life be different, that showed me that baseball isn't just it, that there's more to it. And so for those who look at sports as an outlet, find something else because sports will end at some point. Yes, you may know. Yes, you may be like, blah, blah, blah. I understand that. But there'll be a day when you just have no control. And I had no control at that time. And so then I'm now in college. I'm in San Francisco. And being in San Francisco, you have to be able to think for yourself. You can't depend on nobody else because at the time, you know, my second year in in San Francisco, I lived in an apartment. I didn't have a car. Getting groceries, getting things that I needed was a hike. I had to walk up hills. If you don't know, San Francisco is pretty much a mountain. You know, you're walking up and down hills. There's, It's not a flat surface. So going to the grocery store was maybe like three blocks up a hill, two blocks down. And then you had one block of just of a flat, even surface. So now imagine making that back and making it going to and from when it's hot, when it's raining, when it's cold. And San Francisco is not, yes, it's California, but it is not a climate where it's going to be like South California. Northern California is its own ballpark. It is different. It is always overcast. It's always weird. You know, the temperature, the weather is unpredictable. But all to say that it made me realize that I had to become the person that I never thought I'd be, become a, a man earlier, become, become independent, which I was already capable of doing. It was now understanding how to manage money, how to manage your time, how to manage different things to make the best out of it. And on top of that, you're in a new city. You want to be adventurous. You want to see everything that's there to offer. Within my two years, I was able to see a lot, but I wasn't able to see all. I pretty much walked my whole first semester everywhere. 
I used to get lost and then try to find my way back. But I was able to be adventurous and find things in the city that I never thought I would find. Now, recently, before I came back home, Coach Leland had came out and, you know, we're talking. And it was just funny because I had said, thank you. You know, you were the one that pushed me to be the person that I am today. You were the one that inspired me to be the man that I am, to influence, to be an asset to society, to help those who are blinded by society standards. It took a lot to become the person who I am today. Sometimes it is hard and it's not easy. And like I said in the beginning, this is not a cakewalk. There's hills and valleys. There's times when you got to understand that sometimes you have to go through the brunt in order to get to the diamonds. Sometimes you got to look at fool's gold in order to get to the things that you want to see in life. But just remember, don't be a fool to the things that you are around, but let it be a lesson. And that's what it was. So just so you know, I'm now a photographer. My business that I started back in high school is Quality Dream Productions. If you do not know, I have an account on Instagram. It is Quality Dream Productions. I do have merchandise. This is my podcast, The Coldest Voice with Rico. And I'm your host, Rico Rich. You dick, you feel me? You know, so a lot of things have been going good for me. A lot of things haven't. I had to reorganize, restructure my life in order to become successful. And I'm still not successful. I can pinpoint and more understand how to manage my time and how to manage the things that I'm doing, how to plan properly. I'm still not perfect. I'm still learning, like I always say, but just so you know from here on out this episode is the start of a new era is to show you that i ain't perfect we all go through things and i went through a heck of a lot to get to where i am today to show you that i'm still a fighting chance you know how many people i prove wrong it's a lot but you know how many times i feel like they were right too many so look for those who don't know keep fighting keep doing what you're doing the sun is shining over the other side of that hill you is right now in the valley my boy my lady my person my people my family stay with the path don't fight it but look simple as this from here on out, we're going to be talking about business. We're going to be talking about entrepreneurship. We're going to be talking about cryptocurrency and investing, money management. And I know you guys could care less, but it's for those who really do care. And I know that this is going to be beneficial for a lot of people. And just understand, I've been doing this for many years. Very influential people coming on this podcast that are going to be able to help you on things that I'm not educated in because I don't know everything. I'm only talking about things that I do know and the things that I can be very well-spoken in because I 
have taught myself, I've educated myself on those areas. So like I said, business and entrepreneurship, cryptocurrency, investing and money management, business total. So I appreciate you for listening to this podcast. I thank one last time, Leland Maddox, Tommy Griffith, RIP, I miss you, man. You know, I know you're looking down on me and I hope that I'm making you proud. Just know this is dedicated to you and Coach Leland. And, and, and you're listening to the oldest, oldest voice, voice. Go, go. You dig?